What would you do if you went to a fancy party, ready to hang out, drink some liquor, and eat fine chocolates? And then all of a sudden, the host decides to ruin it all by rotting before your eyes. And then we travel to Colorado to take a look at a young family trying to get a good night's sleep. Once the sun set, everyone was tucked calmly into their beds. Everyone was hoping for a long snooze. But then, the hunters showed up. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. And I hope you guys have some cool plans for the weekend. But if not, that's fine too. Just lounge. That's what I like to do on my weekends. It's nothing. I like to do absolutely nothing. And it's super fun for me. And someone who's always super fun rain or shine weekday or weekend walking into dead rabbit command right now is one of our newest patreon supporters everyone give it up for drew watkins woohoo yeah he's having so much fun it's contagious he's running into dead rabbit command yay drew you're going to be our captain our pilot this episode if you guys can't support the patreon i totally understand times get tough not everyone has the money to but i want you to understand you are also a true fan a true listener you are a member of the fluffle even if you can't afford to send me money. I never want anyone to feel that they are less of a listener or less of a member of the family simply because they don't send me a couple bucks. I appreciate the people who do, and I appreciate the people who don't. The reason why I always bring that up is there's a lot of podcasts that make people feel crummy for not donating money, and I think that sucks. I don't think you should ever feel crummy for listening to or being part of a community. And especially the people creating the community shouldn't make you feel crummy, but that's why I always bring that up. However, if you do want to support the show and you can't do it financially, just spread the word about the show. Tell your friends, tell your family about Dead Rabbit Radio. That really means a lot, too. It really, really does. That also helps the show grow. You're a member of the Fluffle, whether or not you support the Patreon. I just want everyone to know that. That's why I bring it up. (laughs) That's why I bring it up every single episode. Also, let's take a look at today's Fan Art Friday submission. This is from The Names Ellen on Twitter. They sent me over this picture of a rabbit with with a decapitated head and the third eye. It's really cool. It's like a Mickey Mouse style Dead Rabbit Radio. It almost looks like it was done with marker. It's awesome. I love it so much. The name's Ellen. So thank you so much for sending that on over. You guys are the best. You guys are the best listeners I could ever ask for. Drew Watkins, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Dead Rabbit Dirgeable. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. Fly us all the way out. To Mother Russia. It's a long leisurely journey. It's so long, in fact, that we go back in time. That's not how time works, Jason. That's not how time works. If you go slow, you don't go back in time. Maybe that's the reason why we've gotten it wrong all the time. We've been trying to go faster and faster. Maybe we should just slow down. Well, that's what we do in the Dead Rabbit Dirigible and eventually find ourselves in Soviet-controlled Russia, the USSR. Communism has taken control of half of Europe. The world stands at the precipice of a nuclear annihilation every single day. But however, we are lucky enough to have employment in communist Russia as coroners. This story starts off, well, really, and, and ends. It all takes place in the same city, but we're in the city of Leningrad. We are coroners. 
and business is booming. Constantly, the KGB is bringing in people, and we're like, hey, what happened to this guy? And they're like, old age. We're like, dude, this is like a 19-year-old kid. He looks like he's been beat to death. And the KGB agent's like, ah, don't keep talking like that. We're like, sorry, sir, sorry. We're walking around with our bone saws. And it's all sizzling. And we're taking off the skull caps of people. We're taking off their skull caps, and you're like, oh, that's weird. That's weird. Where'd my bowl of Doritos go? And I was like, whoopsie, put it back on this body. I mean, I'm sure you could get away with a lot of stuff in Soviet-controlled Russia. <laughs> or, or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe you couldn't get away with anything. I figure, like, if everyone's just corrupt, who's going to care if the coroner is replacing people's heads with Tupperware? They're like, oh, my poor son Johnny, what happened to him? They, they say he died of old age, but I'm pretty sure that's not true. I'm older than him, and I'm still alive. And now... At the funeral, he has a Tupperware. It's a Tupperware on his head. What? I mean, I think Tupperware is illegal in Russia too. I was like, uh oh, probably should have put on some Russian version of that. We're corners, but you know, corners got to have fun, like the famous song says. So we're constantly like pulling pranks. You go to like drink some orange juice, and there's an eyeball floating in it. You're like Jason. Or you sit down in your chair, you're like, oh, my favorite leather chair. And you sit down, and you're like, this is more wrinkly than normal. And you realize it's the skin of an old man. <laughs> I'm following all the pranks. I'm following all the pranks. I'd be the worst coroner. I mean, I'd get the job done, you know, chopping up the bodies. And people would go, what killed that guy? And I'd be like, it's probably the excessive chopping. He came, this is my coworker. He came to work totally normal, but then he took a nap and I uh, cut his head off. I, th I thought he was a body. I'm sure you could get away with lots of pranks. Whoopee cushions made out of human testicles. They're just like all over, the, all over the ground. You're like, oh, come on, Jason. That's a bridge too far. That's horrible. <laughs> Anyways, the pranks keep coming. Well, one day, <laughs> one day we're at work and the KGB brings in this body and he's pretty gross already. Like we can already tell he's like rotting. His limbs are hardened through rigor mortis. He seems to have a opening in his stomach. We can actually look in and see his intestines have started to rot. His eyes are wide open. And his mouth looks like it's frozen in fear. And we go, what killed this guy? And the KGB agents are like, we don't know. That's what we bring you to the, that's what the coroner's here for. That's what the We didn't kill this guy. We want you to figure out what killed him. Okay. I'm going to get out the bone saw, the good old trusty bone saw. And we go to press it against his skull. And all of a sudden, someone runs in and goes, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Shut it off. A bunch of church officials come in and we're like, what? And a Russian Orthodox priest walks up to us and go, be very careful where you cut him. We think he's still alive. Right when he says that, we look down at that open wound in his stomach. It's festering. We see maggots crawling around in his wound. You sure he's still alive? And the priest shakes his head and goes, we don't know. But we think he is. This story... I found it on the X-Board. A guy did a really cool write-up of local legends. It was just like all of these really obscure legends from different cities. 
And this is one, this, I'll post the full thing. There's a ton of them. There's probably literally, not literally a ton, but there's probably like 12 or 15 of these stories. This was my favorite out of them. The story goes like this. We don't have a name of this man who's on the slab before us. We're going to call him Michael, but this is how the story goes. Back when the Soviet Union was around, they had state-mandated atheism, but you also had the Russian Orthodox Church that still operated within Russia. And one of the reasons why the Soviet government let them be was because you had a lot of corrupt priests who, when people came to them and gave their confessions, the priest would then sell those confessions to the KGB, to the government, and they would get paid in women and wine and fine chocolates and records from the West and all of these things. So they're basically informants. When people were at their most vulnerable, they would go seek out their spiritual advisors, and then some of them would inform on them to the police, the state police. Awful, awful thing. Well, one of these guys was named... Well, he wasn't named. We're making up the name. One of these guys is Michael. All of his fellow clergymen knew that this guy was bad news. Not only was he known throughout the community as a coward and a glutton, he also was one of these guys. I don't think the I don't think the prisoners knew so much, but other priests knew that this guy was selling confessions and selling secrets and maybe even lying sometimes to point the finger at these citizens to get these rewards. But not only that, they actually had it half right. They figured he was an informant. He was actually an undercover KGB agent in the church. So he was put there specifically to spy on people. So it was even worse. This guy was actually a KGB agent posing as a priest. Well, one night he was having a party, which, you know, you weren't allowed to have any fun in the Soviet Union. He was having a party and it was basically anything that would get anyone else arrested. It was him and a bunch of other officials there and another corrupt priest. They're in this luxury apartment. The wine flowed easily, fine chocolates from around the world. And women, these women are brought in. It's a huge party. It's decadent. But someone didn't plan the party that well because they were one woman short. So while everyone was dancing, Michael was just sitting there and watching all these beautiful young women dance up against all of these corrupt officials and, you know, Michael's drunk. He's drunk. He's having a ball. He doesn't really believe in this religion anyways. So he decides to make a joke. He does this very boisterously because he's drunk, right? He stands up. He goes, if there is no one to dance with me, then I will dance with St. Olga. And in this luxury apartment, he had a statue, an icon of St. Olga, one of the most blessed saints in the Russian Orthodox, Eastern Orthodox religion, St. Olga. And he picked up this statue and began dancing around with it. And everyone was laughing, right? It would be the same thing as if you picked up a statue of Mary at a party and danced around with it. It's actually not that funny. I mean, maybe, maybe it's because I'm not an icon kind of guy. But maybe the blasphemy of it made it funny. Maybe the image of him dancing with a three-foot-tall... I don't know how big the statue was, right? I don't think it was like a souvenir shop one-inch-tall statue. That would actually be funnier. But he's dancing around with this statue. He picks it up and he goes, If one of these women won't dance with me, I will dance with St. Olga. And he begins doing a little two-step with the statue and everybody laughs. I'm not an icon guy. I'm definitely not Eastern Orthodox, Russian Orthodox... 
I'm, I'm definitely not a member of the Eastern Orthodox or the Russian Orthodox Church. I had to look up a little bit about St. Olga. St. Olga was based on a real person. If you guys saw the movie The Northman, it's not a documentary, but the Olga character in that is supposed to be St. Olga. Because they don't know they don't know anything about Olga's childhood. They don't know anything about her. That character, Olga, in The Northman was alluding to her becoming St. Olga. But anyways, I love that movie. I bring that up at any any time that it's appropriate. She was a brutal woman. But she lived in brutal times. And just a, a Cliff Notes version of what made Olga so intense, she got married to Prince Igo of Kiev. And this is like way back in the day, right? This is post-Jesus, but... Before before the Soviet Union, I actually out of all my notes, I forgot to write down what time period this was, but this is like tribal eras of Russian history type of thing. When did the movie The Northman take place? It was a couple years after that. Olga's husband is killed by a rival tribe, and the tribe, after her husband is killed in this battle, the tribe goes, you now have to marry the man who killed your husband, who happens to be one of our princes, I believe. It was someone high up in their society and these messengers came to her village to give her this order and she had them buried alive and then she somehow (laughs) all the messengers are dead she somehow gets a word back to that rival tribe and says you know what i'm really thinking about this decision maybe if you send me more messengers it'll it'll help change my mind so they send more messengers over and she tells them first i'm sure they're like hey what happened what happened all those messengers who showed up before as they're walking all over this lumpy soil she's like i don't know i think they went home a different way than you came you just missed them um but i have this process in my town in my village you have to go to the bathhouse first you got to get all that sweaty all those toxins out of your skin and everything and then we'll talk. So the messengers are like, oh, that sounds great, dude. Let's go for a nice bathhouse retreat. And they all went in the bathhouse. She had the doors barricaded. They were burned alive. So at this point, at this point, the rival village is realizing uh, none, of our mess- none of our messengers are coming back. Eventually, she says, tell you what, guys. I, I feel really bad. <laughs> really bad about all your messengers accidentally getting buried alive and accidentally getting burned alive. I will go to the town where my husband was slain and will hold a huge funeral feast. I'll bring the alcohol. I'm sure you know where this is going. We'll hold this huge funeral feast and then I'll get married to your guy. So they're like, okay, let bygones be by <laughs> Let buried alives be buried alives. She shows up at this village and they have a huge funeral and she just provides all this liquor and everyone gets drunk. And, but her guys drink a little bit less. <laughs> They're throwing their goblets over their shoulder. They're like, oh, yeah, that sure was yummy. They just slaughter a bunch of people while they're in a drunken stupor. So at this point, she's now openly declared war on this rival tribe. They start laying siege to all of these villages leading up to the capital. And the capital's like, oh, my God, why why did we listen to her three times? But that's never going to happen again. They there is an actual siege. She gets all the way to their capital and she can't break through the walls. And so the siege goes on for a year. Sieges are very expensive to keep going on for both sides. It's a war of attrition. And she goes, listen, she finally goes, I'll tell you what. I'll let you guys live. 
All you need to do is every house in town needs to send me three sparrows and three pigeons. And I'm, I guess they had them as pets or maybe bird or maybe messenger pigeons. I don't know. But I mean, if someone asked everyone in my town, give me three sparrows and three pigeons, people would be like, I can't even catch those. Everyone had birds, apparently. So she goes, tell you what, if every house gives me three sparrows and three pigeons, I will take that as tribute and I will leave your capital city alone. So what they did was they did, they captured all of the sparrows and pigeons in town and put them in a giant box and brought them out to Olga. And she's like, thank you. And then she put flaming embers. She tied flaming embers to all of the birds' feet. I don't think she did it personally. I don't think she did it personally. She's like, oh, my fetish, this whole war has led up to this moment as she's climaxing. Uh, uh. She's tying all of these burning embers, or her army, her people are tying burning embers to these poor little birds' feet, and then they let them go. And where do the birds go in a panic? They go back home. They fly into every nook and cranny in the city where they had a nest. Some nests were bird cages and houses. Other ones were just high in little towers or low in bales of hay. And the entire city got set on fire. They were so many fires. There were so many fires. I mean, think about it. That was six fires per person. Some of the birds probably didn't make it. They just became delicious roast food for the siegers. But the whole city burned down and then her army moved in and basically killed anyone who wasn't actively on fire. The end. That, <laughs> she was made a saint, okay? She did other stuff. That was the most exciting portion of her life. Very, very brutal woman, but lived in very, very brutal times. That is who Michael is dancing with. Michael is dancing with a woman who burned an entire city, buried people alive, all sorts of stuff. So when people heard... What happened next? Very pious people go, mm-hmm. That's what I would expect St. Olga to do. Michael's dancing around with his statue, and he maybe gets two or three steps into his dance, and all of a sudden he freezes in place. And everyone kind of laughs, right? There's not a lot of humor going on in Soviet Russia. Yakov Smirnov still decades away from starting his career. Everyone laughs at this as well. But he stays there frozen. And after like a minute or two, the laughter dies down. And they're like, Michael, are you okay? Are you okay? And he's just frozen in this dance pose. A doctor is called. Because obviously you'd think a seizure, right? He's frozen holding the statue in this dance pose. You'd think he had a seizure or something. A doctor's called. And he has a heartbeat. But he can't move. He's completely frozen. They can see him breathing. They see him taking very shallow breaths. And they see sweat on his forehead. Along with the occasional tear emerging from his eye. But other than that, he's completely frozen. And these medics are being called in, like one after another, trying to figure out what it is. One medic finally comes in, and he's looking over Michael, and he's checking him out, and he goes, I know why he's frozen. He has rigor mortis. Michael is now displaying the signs of physical death, even though his vital signs show that he's alive. 
So they laid him down in the bed. He was still he was still holding the statue. He's still holding the statue. They laid him down in the bed. And over the days and weeks, as medics were still trying to treat him, because he was a high-ranking official in the KGB. He was a major. He wasn't just some corrupt priest. I mean, they probably still would want to know what caused this miraculous or cursed, depending on which way you look at it, ailment. But they were definitely trying to figure it out because he was one of them. He was a KGB agent. So these doctors kept coming out. And while they were looking at him, while they were trying to cure him, they started to notice that he was beginning to rot. He was beginning to go through all of the phases of a body that had died. And yet, as his skin is turning mottled and his eyeballs are beginning to sink into his head, as openings appear on his skin and flies go in and out of the cavities of his body laying eggs. His heart is still beating. He's still alive, yet he's decaying like a normal corpse. Eventually his eyeballs turn to mush. There's nothing left of them. The eggs the flies have laid became maggots, begin devouring Michael's dead flesh. And yet, he was still alive. Even eventually when they put him in the grave and slammed that casket shut, there was a question. Are we burying a corpse? Or are we burying a man who will slowly rot away into nothingness, but even then, still be alive? It'd be an interesting question, right? You would go, well, maybe once the heart dissolves, that'll be the end of it. But this was some sort of mystical curse or, or a strike down from God or St. Olga herself, really. So who's to say even when his bones had turned to dust in that casket, his essence still wasn't trapped in that darkness, still frozen in horror for his crime. And then the question goes, too, is how much did he feel of this? The, the teardrop... And the sweat would make you think that, yeah, he was conscious the whole time as he was rotting away. He knew exactly what was going on. And what's interesting, so it's a fascinating story. It's terrifying to think about. I would like to hope, if the story is true, that eventually... Because it's not that big of a deal, right? I get, like, if you think about the horrible things he probably did versus dancing with that statue, that's not the worst thing he did. But you would you would start to think, like... If this was going to happen, it should. The curse should only last as long as his physical body was around. But who knows? Like, again, it could have been a permanent thing. His spirit could still be in that darkness, and he could have felt every minute, uh, every molecule of his skin slowly dissolving, being devoured by the elements, by nature, by maggots, by all of these things. It's a terrifying story. What's interesting, longtime listeners of Dead Rabbit Radio knows, I might run this as a repeat soon in the Retro Rabbit. We've been doing repeats on the weekends. We covered a story like this a long time ago, also out of Russia. We covered the story of Stone Zoya. Almost beat for beat, this story was about a young girl who her boyfriend was gone or her husband was gone and she wanted to be at this dance party. So she picked up a statue of a saint to begin dancing with it and she got frozen in time. Her, she was frozen for a long period of time. The same thing, medics came out. They couldn't figure it out. 
and eventually the curse was broken and then one of three things happened we're not for sure she either went to a convent she went to a mental hospital or she died shortly afterwards what's interesting about the story of stone zoya is that there's like a statue commemorating that event in that town i'll put that episode in the show notes it's now in the town of samara in the soviet union but she was um frozen like that for 128 days looking over at my notes But yeah, it's interesting. I wonder if both stories are true or if the Stone Zoya story morphed into this story of this priest kind of doing the same thing. It's interesting, though, because it is they're both regionally Russian stories and they both have the same setup. But the Stone Zoya story does seem fairly authentic. Like there's stuff, there's people of the time who were like, no, that actually happened. Like in modern times, as people were investigating their life, if I remember correctly, they're like, yeah, that actually happened. So interesting story. Is it possible to rot away and still be conscious? I would say, yeah. I mean, like, I think, like, on a medical... I don't think... I don't think it's... I don't think a doctor's gonna be like, yes, and if your heart dissolves and there's nothing left but a skeleton, you can still be conscious. But I think you could look at actual medical conditions that would cause you to just lay there and die without, you know, if you're not pumping any fluids in. I, I mean, it's just a bad bed sore, right? I mean, if you just are frozen and maggots are flying in and out of you, that could just be... That could be a curse from God, or that could just be bad medical care. But it could it's a fascinating story, right? It could be the story of this curse. It could be a actual condition that they didn't know how to treat. But either way, terrifying to slowly rot away, to know that you're rotting away, to be aware of your surroundings and having people stand over you and being like, I don't know how to help him. And all you want is someone to brush the maggots. I'm sure that they cleaned them, actually. I'm sure they eventually they gave him a bath. I don't think they're just like, let's let's watch these maggots fester on his open wounds because there's nothing else on TV in Soviet Russia. But a crazy story. Maggots or not. Drew, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the world-famous Carbonicopter. We are leaving behind Mother Russia. Let's fly all the way out, too. I don't think we have enough time for the hunter story. I think I probably should have spent less time joking about exchanging your clam chowder soup with human testicles spent more time goofing off the corner like that corner stuff had nothing to do with the story it was just some weird setup so i'm going to toss you the keys of the carpenter copter we are not going to colorado drew fire this bad boy up and take us all the way out to pennsylvania who wants clam chowder i'm bringing out a big big jug of it we're headed out to Pennsylvania. Specifically, we're headed out to the town of Chester, Pennsylvania. It's July 10th, 1970. It's 9.30 at night. Whoa, dude. Splash, splash. It's the party. Party of the century. All these people are sitting around at this pool party. They're listening to some cool tunes, drinking some cool beverages. It's just a nice night out it's july so it's sunny and hot well it's not sunny it's nighttime but it was sunny earlier and now it's nighttime and it's hot we're about to meet this guy his name's we're gonna call him logan these are not real names we're gonna call this guy logan he's at the house of his neighbor we'll call his neighbor bruce 9 30 at night radio is blaring some 1970 tunes and logan is sitting on the edge of the pool. His feet are kind of dangling in the water, splashing the water. The others, about five people at this party. Him and five other friends. Him, Bruce, and four other friends. <laughs> They're at this party, splashing around, 
chicken fight. Pushing each other over up. Logan just has his feet in the water. And the way that it works out, it's just serendipitous at this point. Logan said that me and all of our friends were all kind of facing the same direction. We're all hanging out. And the way that we're situated, there, there's a... I, I'm looking towards my house. So we're in Bruce's backyard. I'm looking towards my house. Between my house and Bruce's house, there's a telephone pole. And Logan goes, I wasn't the only person who saw this. Everyone here saw this, but... Everything's going totally fine. People are having a pool party. When all of a sudden, out of the telephone pole, shoots raw electricity. And it's emerging from the telephone pole. He says, I watched this electricity come out of the telephone pole. And everyone else is looking over there now as well. Even though this all happened so fast, everyone saw this. He goes, electricity is shooting out of the telephone pole, but it wasn't just from, like, a downed electrical. <laughs> Why he's not telling this story from heaven? He goes, and then we all died. Got electrocuted. It wasn't just raw electricity just or random electricity, he says. The electricity came out of the telephone pole in the shape of a man. <laughs> And it wasn't a trick of the light, Logan says. This electricity came out of the telephone pole in the shape of a man and began to run across the backyard. Running right in full view of everyone at the pool party, this electricity forms the shape of a man and begins running. He goes, it had the natural stride. It moved its legs like a man would when he's running. You could even see little electrical arms going. And it is clearly the shape of a human made out of raw electricity. Running across the backyard. And when it hit the side of Bruce's house. The exterior wall of the home. All the fuses instantly go out. All of a sudden, the backyard is thrust into darkness. The radio stops playing. Unless, unless it was battery-powered, and then it continues to play groovy music in the darkness. But everyone's freaked out, right? All your fuses blow. Now, they there were adults in the house, and they're just like, Oh, man, a fuse blew. Jerry, I thought you changed those already. Why, Martha, if you had bought them when I told you to, we wouldn't be playing in the dark. Oh, Jerry, you're always complaining. That was going on in the house. They just thought it was a normal fuse-blowing situation. But all of these... And Logan and Bruce and all the friends... I, they doesn't say how old they are. I don't think they're like little kids. I think they're, you know, later teenagers or something like that. They all run into the house and they tell the adults, Oh my God, you won't believe what just happened. An electrical man ran across the backyard. And of course, obviously, any adult's going to be like, Okay, stop. Wait till we get... <laughs> wait till we at least turn the lights on before you start whatever nonsense you're going to be talking about. Electrical people. And the adults, even with the power back on, the adults are like, there wasn't an electrical man running through the backyard. What are, you, what are you guys talking about? They're like, no, no, all of a sudden, a man made of raw electricity ran into the house. That's what blew the fuses. Now, here's the thing. That is the entire story. I found it on thinkaboutadocs.com. They found it 
their source was something called Mystical Universe, and I wasn't able to find It's such a generic name. I couldn't find out if that was a podcast or a book or a television show or anything. Like, I couldn't find out anything on Mystical Universe, but that is the source for this Mystical Universe. I tried looking for it, couldn't find anything. I also tried looking up Chester, Pennsylvania Electric. I googled Chester, Pennsylvania electric man a couple times, and uh, who who would have thought? Who would have thought it was just a bunch of websites for people who do electricity or do electrical work, not actually do electricity? There are all these wizards out there shooting bolts out of their hands. You know, it's like you type in Chester, Pennsylvania electric man. Google is going to assume you're not looking for a man made of electricity. They're going to think you're looking for a man who deals with wires popping out of your walls. So I couldn't find any other info on this story. It's a fascinating one, though. And when I read it, I go, what does this mean? Like, this is one of those stories that it's not UFO, it's not ghost. What is this? We cover these stories, and I love talking about these stories on the podcast because they're so weird. And I started thinking, we are so... I don't want to go off on a huge... <laughs> right when you heard me say that, you're like, Jason's going to go off on a huge, weird tangent. I'll try to restrain myself. So what was this thing? I I find it super interesting because if you think about it, sure, it could have been just electricity, right? It could have just been, it's all like shooting out and it just happened to look like a man running into a house, right? It's possible. Um, I've seen electricity come down in lines, but sometimes they're all squiggly and stuff. Like you never see electricity, it's a straight line. It just goes, and it kind of like dances around like a lightning bolt. Or when you're getting electrocuted in the bathtub. It moves around. But it could have also been, that's a skeptical answer, right? That's what a scientist might say. It was just a bunch of people who were confused. Uh, the electricity sometimes looks like it's boogieing down. Looks like it's a person. But what if it was a person? What if there was a man who was transformed into electricity and then he's like running through telephone poles? I don't know. I mean, like, if you think about it, like, if you were made all of a sudden of electricity, you wouldn't know what to do. There's no there's no handbook for it, right? If all of a sudden you became an NBA basketball player, you'd be like, what What do I do now? And LeBron James is like, just dribble, son. Just dribble. And you're like, oh, you're dribbling, you're dribbling around, right? You figure it out. If all of a sudden you magically got transformed into an NBA player. But if you magically got transformed into a being of pure electricity, LeBron James is going to run away from you. Most people would if you were sitting at home and then all of a sudden you're all, what's happening to me, mom? What's happening to you? She's like, this is the day I feared would happen. Your dad was electricity too. I never told you. And all of a sudden, maybe she warned you that this could happen. You could have read a couple of electrician manuals before this. Figure out, you know, how to control yourself. But all of a sudden you're just sitting at home and then you're like, no. What would you do? <laughs> that might be the most absurd question you've ever asked. I would assume that, because now everything you saw would be like electrical. You would look at someone and you'd see their heart beating going, duh, 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 like the electrical signals. And you'd look up at birds and you'd see their hearts beating too. And you'd look around at the new universe, the electrical universe, and all you would see 
would be electricity. Okay, to be fair, guys, I don't really know what this is. And that's what I find so fascinating about it. It may not even be a man who was turned into electricity, which, to be fair, is totally impossible. Like, to be fair, outside of a horror movie or a superhero comic book, you're not going to turn into electricity. But, so I don't know why why I started going on. I I guess technically anything's possible. It could have been a person, no matter how impossible, turned into raw electricity and he's just running in a panic through the power lines. But I actually have a better theory, which I probably should have stated before going off on that rant. And that it's not necessarily a person who was turned into electricity or was born into a world of the electric, but his mother never told him. I'm wondering, this is interesting, let's wrap up this week like this. What if there are cryptids in forms we don't even know about? Paranormal researchers, we do categorize things. I think it's something that scientists of all stripes have to do, and paranormal research is really no different. We categorize things where we have ghosts, which are separate than demons, which can choose to appear as ghosts, which are separate from cryptids. Generally, cryptids are... What most researchers would consider flesh and blood creatures. Demons aren't considered cryptids. Ghosts aren't considered cryptids. Aliens aren't considered cryptids. They're their own flesh and blood category. But cryptids are things like Bigfoot and Chupacabra and Skinwalkers. And while they may have supernatural characteristics, like Bigfoot apparently can turn invisible, read minds, things like that, it's not... Most researchers, most Bigfoot researchers say that it is a biological entity. Even if it's interdimensional, even if it's able to move from one place to the other, again, which would seem supernatural, it's different than a spirit. It's different than an alien. It's different than a demon. It's a cryptid. And, and for the most part, that's how, the, that's how it is. Cryptids tend to have a set habitat. Cryptids tend to be in the wild, right? There are... A few references to urban cryptids. None that could pop <laughs> Oscar the Grouch, but none I'm really popping off the top of my head. But for the most part, cryptids, they have a set set of circumstances that make them different than other paranormal entities. But what if there are cryptids that are in forms that we don't know about? Like an electrical cryptid. A cryptid made of just raw energy that inhabits and travels through the electrical infrastructure. It's not a ghost. It's not a demon. It was something we would classify as a cryptid, even though it doesn't have a biological form. A cryptid kind of... A ghost used to be a human. A demon is a denzian of hell, a fallen angel. A cryptid is not one of those two, but still has some weird characteristics more than a normal biological creature. I think cryptid just in general means an undiscovered creature. A lot of times they do get these supernatural powers, but for the most part, cryptozoology is the study of creatures that haven't been discovered yet. Loch Ness Monster, things like that. What if, though, there are cryptids, just like now, as science is advanced, we can originally would say there's no way that anything could live that deep underwater. There's no energy for them to consume now we know that there are life forms at the deepest part of the ocean. We used to think that you would have no life on the edge of these super heated 
underwater volcanoes, and now we know that there's life down there. We would believe there would be no life in these frozen tundras, and now we see microorganisms living deep in the ice. So science has come forward in animals that we do know exist, right? We can now see them. Why not the same thing with cryptids? Could you have, because of course someone's going to be like, a cryptid's Bigfoot. It's not someone who's running through the power lines, but why not? Are there undiscovered, well, all cryptids are undiscovered, but is there even undiscovered subsets of cryptids? A cryptid made of pure gas. A cryptid that exists in not a solid but a gaseous state. It still has all the other qualifications of a cryptid. It's undiscovered. It has quasi, if not outright, paranormal abilities. But it exists in a gaseous state. Here on Earth, an electrical cryptid. A cryptid of raw fire. When a forest fire just erupts, these cryptids arrive. Or manifest, or whatever it is. Not a demon, not a djinn, but a different type of life form that is undiscovered on this planet. Are there cryptids that are not biological, yet not spiritual? It's somewhere in between. A cryptid made of electricity currently running through the power lines. When I was at the Oregon Ghost Conference, there is a radio show called Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis. And Clyde Lewis gave his presentation about internet cryptids, which he believed was Loeb. That is, the, it's fairly popular. I didn't cover it on this podcast, but it's the idea that if you type in Loeb into some of these AI image generating programs, it keeps pulling up pictures of a disgusting looking woman. It was this idea that this is an internet cryptid, a cryptid that exists on the internet that was unknown until people started to look for her. Not a demon, but a cryptid. It was a very interesting theory, very, very interesting talk that Clyde Lewis gave. So, are there cryptids in places we haven't even thought of looking for cryptids? It's, it's weird to wrap your head around, right? Because you could go, well, that would be something different. That would be a ghost in the machine, or that would be... Some sort of electrical ghost that'd be like that guy Shocker from that movie Shocker about the serial killer who got electrocuted and then became made of pure energy and killed a bunch of people. But no, it wouldn't be a ghost. It would be a cryptid. It would be its own entity. And probably more than one. I think cryptids all... all for I guess Loch Ness Monster is just one, but to me, cryptids generally indicate that there's probably more than one of that type. Because there's no, no one's arguing there's only one Bigfoot. There's a bunch of them. It's just interesting to think about because I hadn't even thought about that. When Clyde Lewis gave that talk, I go, oh, that's really interesting. And then later, but I didn't really, you know, I, th- I thought it was an interesting talk. I had heard more about Loab as a demon in the computer than a cryptid. It's not like I blew it off. I thought it was interesting. But then when I go back and I'm looking for stories to share with you guys... And I came across this electrical this electrical man running through the power lines. It's either a made-up story or a mistaken identity that it was just raw electricity or that a man was turned into electricity somehow. Or it's some unknown phenomenon, some unknown cryptid that may be as common as Bigfoot sightings are in America, but we're not seeing them. Like I said, I'm saying like there may be Hundreds of these electrical cryptids running through the 
systems through our infrastructure but you know most people don't see them this one for whatever reason ran out of the infrastructure i don't know <laughs> i don't know i just think it's a fascinating story and it did make me think like why couldn't you have a cryptid that was made of non living tissue and still be a cryptid not be something else not be a ghost or a demon of made of raw electricity or to the ghost of an electrician who died because he ran into the side of a house and he loved electricity so much that's the form he took in death no a, a this thing if you would be able to capture it or communicate with it it you could identify it as a separate living species from humanity yet it's made of raw electricity I mean, it completely just changes the game to what a cryptid could be, to what other paranormal phenomenon that could be out there that we can't categorize. And we've covered a lot of this type of stuff. We have all those stories about hands chasing people around Mexico, just disembodied hands, and stories about giant eyeballs floating around. And, and I think you could go, well, the eyeballs are probably alien and the hands are probably ghosts, but what if these are separate? What if these are cryptids? What if these are separate entities that we share life with on Earth? And we could easily say it's this, that, or the other thing, but really it's just something we have never discovered. Well, I mean, the, the little kids who were getting chased by the hands had seen it, but as far as anything, paranormal researcher or scientist, they just... There's no category to put these things in. There could be so much more to the world of the paranormal. And the world of the paranormal is the world we live in. There could be so much more to all of this. And we're really just scraping the surface. And that's what I find so interesting about this field of study. And that's why I love sharing these stories with you guys. Fascinating stuff. Fascinating stuff. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great week.